Well, welcome again to Time Out with Dentons, and this is the second podcast in our series that considers topical issues in the economy that have now been affected by COVID-19. My name is Matthew Rollison, real estate partner at Dentons, and this week I'm pleased to be sitting in the chair and chatting with my fellow real estate partner, John Grimble. John's an expert in residential property development, and today we are going to touch upon both the risks and how we manage those risks in the context of residential property development. Now, John, we've seen a National Code of Conduct released yesterday by our National Cabinet affecting commercial leasing. We've had a moratorium placed on residential tenancy evictions for non-payment of rent. We have seen a response by the banking industry following significant government stimulus. Perhaps we'll touch on the uh, banks a bit later but we have not seen or we've seen very little in relation to the residential development industry. In that backdrop, you'll no doubt want to drill down on the anxiety that developers are experiencing and the stresses that their buyers are feeling. So now, John, perhaps if I turn to you, what are your general observations about the government's response to date for the sector? Thanks, Matt. The approach government has taken to the residential property sector is less targeted. This is simply because the construction industry in particular is seen as preferred and essential. As a consequence, we're seeing measures designed to ensure that labour and supply of materials are uninterrupted and, quite frankly, assisted by government. This has been quite a triumph in difficult times with most significant development sites fully operational and many developers we've spoken with reporting a marginal acceleration both in infrastructure and residential development. Although the expanded seven-day work regime imposed by government is there to promote social distancing on work sites, developers are treating the expanded operational period as a boon and are reporting efficiencies across site attendance and delivery of materials. But are you seeing a difference between projects already underway and those that either haven't commenced or have stages which are yet to commence? Yes, For stages which are not commenced or projects where end buyers have not been secured, there is definitely a retreat of capital, encouraged in no small part by the banks. There's nothing new about this, and in fact, the banks have been particularly challenging in this area post-Royal Commission. With employment uncertainties, developers can't be convinced that they'll have buyers in adequate numbers. While this affects ongoing projects, there is no palatable option available to developers to stop work. They really do have to keep going. So let's assume that you get to the end of your project and you've got product there capable of being sold. But, John, a buyer's going to be there on project completion? Good question. Our clients are exhibiting sensible levels of concern, but we're not seeing any panic, Matt. The residential apartment sector is no stranger to buyer default over the last three years. However, now we have a new set of circumstances. So developers are accounting for a significant uptick in buyers who will be refused loans on the basis they've been stood down or are no longer employed. The COVID-19 defaulters will form a new class to what might have been described as traditional non-performers. This new class will require management and engagement by developers. That engagement will be around dealing with buyers to address the buyer's inability to settle. We're recommending fact-checking with buyers, followed by an assessment as to when settlement might realistically be possible. 
all done in accordance with protocols agreed with the developers bank. One of the things then that the, the developers will be looking at is what they can do to try and improve their position or whether or not they've actually got some specific legal vulnerabilities uh, to COVID-19 non-performers, I suspect. So in that context, do you find that your clients are expressing concern when they hear of concepts such as force majeure and contract frustration, which are being bandied about in the market, perhaps in relation to other areas of the law, but any other get-out-of-jail cards for COVID-19 non-performers? In simple terms, Matt, there are no simple get-out-of-jail cards for COVID-19 non-performers. Off-the-plan residential sale contracts have very little in them that could support the concept of force majeure or contract frustration, which are getting bandied about and which definitely are coming into play on supply and delivery deals across industry. However, that territory is usually covered by what are known as sunset dates in project sales contracts. Sunset dates are associated with a right by either party to withdraw from the contract in circumstances where the building has been unable to attain that stage of completion that would allow a developer to register a strata plan within time. Usually sunset dates are dates that are so far into the future, the prospects of being unable to complete the development and settle all sales is quite remote. However, there will always be the occasional project which for many reasons, including approval delays, difficulties with the developer obtaining finance and land, and environment court issues which run very close to their settlement dates. Some of those projects will be heavily exposed to COVID-19 emergency measures if and when a total lockdown is directed by the state, requiring development to effectively cease in the state. It's this concept of total lockdown which we don't have, and as I said at the outset, um, we're not in total lockdown. We're in a situation where, in fact, development sites are in a preferred position. In summary, though, I don't see force majeure or contract frustration as being reasons that either the developer or its purchasers can withdraw or seek any form of compensation. So if you were to express some further views about the legal management of defaulting purchases, what would those be? That's a tough challenge for all of the conveyancing community. It's how to work really with your clients. At the moment, my perception is that clients are taking a lot in-house because issues around COVID-19 and the pressure put on their businesses are real bet the business, get in a huddle, don't talk to the lawyers just yet uh, situation. What we expect to emerge is once our clients have had time to consider their buyer list, engage with them and understand where their vulnerabilities exist and they'll go through their buyer list and once they've got to a point of comfort with that list, they will start talking to lawyers about how to deal with buyers who are exhibiting signs of an inability to settle. There's nothing new about dealing with buyers who are having difficulties settling. Post-Royal Commission and with the recent property downturn over the last two years in the project sales area, most legal firms who deal in this area have been working with their buyers and with the developers in order to come to workout arrangements. Among the issues where management can assist the developer, until recently, developers might seek the release of the contract deposit from a defaulting purchaser as the price for continuing with an extended settlement date. That conduct is now unlawful as a result of recent conveyancing rules which have prevented the release of deposits in off-the-plan contracts. So that avenue 
is a non-starter. Developers have also looked to using penalty interest provisions under the contract to ensure that they are properly compensated for delays. In the COVID-19 period, extraction of compensatory payments or penalties will penalise COVID-19 affected purchases in circumstances where they really didn't have any influence over their circumstances. So again, to the extent that interest is a substantial penalty, our view is that penalty interest is a non-starter. However, compensatory payments will, will have some life. We generally see in a rising market thought processes going through, say, a developer's mind that, you know, I've got a uh, purchaser here, they've they've got an inability to settle, perhaps I might terminate this contract and and, uh, snaffle the deposit because I've got the capacity to resell the uh, property um, and get the full purchase price perhaps even with an an upswing. So do you think in this market, though, some developers will be looking to terminate COVID-19 buyers if they form the view that they'd be able to get their hands on the deposits? Well, that's theoretically an alternative for cash-strapped developers. From a black-letter lawyer perspective, although there will be a very clear entitlement to terminate the contract, I would be very much less confident that during the COVID-19 emergency measures period, the right to forfeit a deposit will be supported when courts become involved. In any event, most developers will need the concurrence of their bank before being permitted to terminate buyers and access the deposit. In most cases, the deposit is required to be paid to the bank to reduce debt. So access to deposits is a bit of a non-starter, in, in particularly because banks will be looking for everyone to cooperate in a hold still in, in the hope that they can at least deal with those buyers who are struggling now but may emerge after the crisis as eligible for loans. Lawyers will find themselves in an invidious position where they hold contract deposits and have to act for their client at the same time as being a trustee for the vendor and purchaser as far as the holding of the deposit is concerned. In summary, there will be real practical and legal problems associated with any attempt by developers to access deposits in the face of opposition by COVID-affected buyers. The insolvency directives of government for COVID-impacted parties are also a clear disincentive for developers to attack non-performing purchases. I say this because for six months, buyers cannot be attacked during using the bankruptcy route. Traditionally, developers are satisfied with forfeiture of the deposit in circumstances where buyers are unable to complete. It's only in infrequent circumstances that a developer will pursue a buyer for damages in excess of a deposit and use bankruptcy as a threat to obtain those damages. In the COVID-19 environment, at least for six months commencing April, that approach simply won't be successful. John, I'm sure you listened to our first podcast in the series um, with with great interest. And and in that one, you might recall that Anthony Walsh, who's one of our banking and finance partners, had some comments to make about the role that the banks have played to date and are expected to play um, by government in order to support um, the sectors of our economy to make sure that we emerge and then have the capacity to emerge strongly um, once the uh, COVID risks start to subside. So in that backdrop, um, what role do you think lenders have and, and how must developers coordinate their actions with their lenders to ensure that outcome? Yes, Matt. Consistent with most government directives, there seems to be little choice. And quite frankly, it's 
common sense that the developer and the COVID-19 impacted purchasers work it out. Banks will be demanding it. It'll be in their terms. And if banks are going to extend any latitudes to their customers, they'll expect to see their customers preserving as much as they can the purchaser capital in their developments. And if you were trying to give your clients some advice and the broader industry some advice, how would you manage that as a developer? The key things, some of which we've already touched upon, is that we're not doing much now to that that we previously did. However, it is a bit nuanced. The first thing to keep in mind is the developer will need to keep the bank more informed as to its non-performers than ever. This is no longer a sign of weakness. It's part of the current reality. Two, the developer should ensure that it's got approved extension protocols with its bank. This is vital as it will lead to a fairly seamless and quick response approach to purchases without always having to revert to the bank for approval. Three, conclude your terms of hold still with your purchaser. Now, you can get pretty formal about this by doing deeds and the like, or you can develop a simple letter that doesn't provide any more grief for the buyer who's obviously in crisis at that stage. It's normally a terribly important transaction for a buyer. Fourthly, the developer should be entitled to have a greater than normal visibility on the buyer's progress in securing a bank loan. This is critical as part of the quid pro quo of, as Scott Morrison would say, working it out together. Fifthly, if the settlement is to be substantially delayed, a compensatory sum of interest should be factored in. This sum should not be in the nature of a penalty, rather it should be consistent with the capitalised interest being paid by the developer. This won't always be required by developers. They, they may just be happy to emerge with deals at the end of this period. So in amongst what we've spoken about this evening, John, you, you've touched on some things which are actually peculiar to the development industry. So, John, if you were going to think about the practical, uh, non-legal sort of impacts that might um, be relevant to your developer clients, what would you say those were? The practical issues are actually core they, to my mind, amount to really 80% of the issue. Firstly, purchases themselves, they're vulnerable to loss of employment and correspondingly to loss of loan approval. This is by far the principal impact and the one which can be offset by close and professional buyer management. Secondly, labour. On-site health-related issues stemming from a total lockdown. There's no evidence of that here. But if we were to see sites paralysed, that would be a problem. But as I say, we don't have it now. Material and supply issues for development sites, which might impact critical path. There's no evidence of it here. And as mentioned, if anything, there's been an acceleration and an addition to the efficiency on site. Next, statutory approval delays. There's no guarantee that councils will continue at their usual approval rates or that certifiers will be able to attend sites in more extreme lockdown circumstances. There's no evidence of that at the moment. However, there should be some element of factoring this in. Conveyancing services. With the take-up of the PEXA and similar online conveyancing platforms, there is a relatively seamless transition for lawyers who are forced to work from home. That typically would have been a real problem in the old days. The PEXA platform take-up is uneven across Australia and a number of states, it's an option not mandated yet. 
we're seeing, and PEXA is reporting, a bit of a rush to uptake as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. Queensland and South Australia are good examples of an increased take-up. Lastly, social distancing, impacts on pre-settlement inspections, valuations, certifications, and lastly, the moving into premises. All of these practical steps may become highly problematic with the social distancing um, imperatives imposed by government. Thanks, John, because, you know, what everybody needs in a market such as this and, you know, where the circumstances of COVID-19 is the practical tips and the things that they need to look out for as they manage their uh, off-the-plan purchases and their developments. So that's fantastic. We'll have to leave it there, but what an interesting discussion and thank you for the chat. Challenging times ahead, no doubt, and we don't yet have all the answers. More, of course, will unfold in this space as the COVID-19 pandemic continues, and we will look to see all the stakeholders in the sector, government, developers, buyers, financiers, reach sensible conclusions to ensure that successful completion of current projects is achieved and the commencement of new projects when the time comes. So let's keep this discussion ongoing. Our next podcast in our series will touch on the construction industry with our specialist, Marcus Graham. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we share some time out with Dentons. Thank you.